So I walk in the VL with two subbies, stereotype with a huge intercooler. Doing it right might be like I'm confused. What's the attraction? But some dudes just love to lose traction. That cruise action, Saturday night, you can do it at the lights or get in a fight, right? You heard the systems bumping rap saying, Welcome to Rogue Bows. This is the car chat series. We are in episode nine, rolling along. Quick thank you to everyone out there. Our numbers are going up again. Had about a 10 or 15% jump in um, listeners, so I appreciate the following for everybody. Justin, how are you going? Yeah, good, mate. So, um, yeah, definitely thank you to everyone out there. So I guess um, numbers are jumping up because everyone's in lockdown, nothing else to do. So keep listening to us. Yeah, so hopefully <laughs> um, hopefully the numbers continue to rise, but lockdown ends. That's kind yeah, of the way. But it. look, we have a very special guest today. We brought a guest on that probably knows more about cars than we do, I'd mm-hmm. say, or generically about a, a, a wider variety than we yeah. do. Um, and a very esteemed motoring journalist here in Australia, Paul Marich. Welcome to the Rogue Bows. Hey, gents. How are we? Good. Doing well, doing well. So you've joined us to break down everything cars, have a bit of a chat with us about um, everything you do. So I'll just go through your little resume real quick before we get started. Um, an interesting one, Swinburne Bachelor of Engineering, B in Mechanical Engineering, which then went on to be a project engineer at Downer. Then you pivoted to freelance motoring journalist, so doing a whole whole bunch of stuff for yourself and for different people. Um, obviously, the, the lead road tester then for car advice. Then the TV presenter, which a lot of people would know you from. Um, giving us the nitty gritty on on numerous different cars, even a Kia minivan at one point, which I, I actually watched. Funnily enough, because I bought on a, I bought a Kia minivan, so they're good, aren't they? Yeah, they are. They're fantastic. Um, <coughs> co-founder of Expert Media and co-founder of Car Expert. So that's your your resume and it is breakdown yeah. breakdown. What you got for us? Look, um, a, a little further back, uh, I think we're we're native men. I was born in uh, Serbia, in Novi Sad, and uh, my parents came to Australia when I was two. Uh, my mum's Croatian, uh, my dad's Serbian. Uh, so we came to Australia with nothing, and I learned from them that you got to you got to work hard to get what you want. Um, and that sort of led me into uh, starting my first car website when I was seventeen. And Dad said, Pavlet, don't waste your time on that. And I said, I'm not going to listen to you. And I did it anyway. <laughs> um, and that basically led into getting test cars, which I, I couldn't believe my luck. As a car lover, I thought, you know, giving me cars to test and then write about is is going to be pretty cool. Um, How did you that, fall into that, though? How did you fall into just being able to test? Because that's like every young kid's dream yeah. is like, man, someone's going to pay me to do reviews on cars and thrash these cars and go silly with them. How did that all eventually? Just networking or just... Yeah, look, it's it, this is one of those roles where everyone wants to do the job, but it's just never advertised. So it's not something that you really apply for. And when I started the website, I really just wanted to write about cars. And this was probably 15 years ago. I was big into computers, didn't have many friends. <laughs> and uh, I thought, you know, I'll start the website, see how it goes. And uh, the website then led me into into getting the cars. I, I literally just contacted, I think Mitsubishi was the first. Uh, I said, hey, can I get your press releases? And they said, yeah, no worries. Would you like to test some cars? And I said, yeah, that'd be great. And she goes, oh, can we start you off in the, uh, it was the Evo 8 at the time. I was like, wow, I can. <laughs> um, and I hadn't actually turned 18 at this point. So yeah. I had to keep stalling her until I got to my 18th. And then when I turned up to pick up my first car, I had my um, license had a big red strip on it for the P's and, um, I, I engineered a, a black sort of duct tape across the top of it so that when I picked up the cars, you couldn't see that I was on my P's and then I'd leave the dealership, 
park the car, put my pee plates up, and then <laughs> continue driving. Um, but my dad, uh, he worked at Ford. When they came to Australia, he he's an engineer as well. His degree wasn't recognised in Australia, so he basically went straight onto the tools at Ford in Broadmeadows and um, and had worked there for 27 years or something up until wow. recently. So um, he sort of helped bringing cars home every now and then that, that they got that I would write about as well on my L's. And, uh, and that evolved into, into starting my first website, Eventually what happened after that was uh, I approached the bloke that started Car Advice and I said to him, look, uh, my website's getting so big I need to employ people. Um, do you want to sort of team up? And he said, yes, I sold my site to him for a, for a, an equity stake in that company and uh, the rest was sort of history from there. And then Car Advice sold to Channel 9, right? Yeah, we sold Car Advice to Channel 9. Uh, it would have been five years ago now for a uh, sort of final valuation of $65 million. And that was a site that we literally was just a blog. It was just this stupid thing that, that it was really just a blog, literally. So um, it grew to a company that had about 40 or 50 full-time employees. Wow. Um, we courted a few sort of buyers and Channel 9 came to the top. Uh, it was a three-year three buyout period, so we stayed at the company uh, working there for, for three years. And mm. um, once the buyout period completed, uh, let's, just, let's just say they put in someone who wasn't really a car person and who liked to count numbers, and uh, it just wasn't gelling with us. So we, we all bailed and, and started up Car Expert, and, um, and that's sort of where we're at today. Wow. Yeah, interesting story. $65 million, you say, huh? That's it. It's a yeah, nice car collection. It, it is. It didn't all go to us. <laughs> what I've actually learned during that time and what we're not making the same mistake here again for any people who are in business, um, the second you lose equity in a business, you never get it back. So if you are sort of looking at taking a, a partner in or, or having someone invest, be very careful with how much equity you give them because you will find that it disappears very quickly. And once it's gone, you never get it back. You're not getting yeah. it back. <laughs> yeah, you're not getting it back. But um, yeah, I mean, like I said, I've, I've ran into, I'm sure plenty of people have ran into your videos. Um, I think you've done everything from, you know, big time muscle cars we were speaking about before, the, the, the W1 road test, which was a funny story in itself, and then all the way to minivan. So I think, yeah. you know, um, and now you're driving, what is that, a, a Genesis? Genesis, Genesis GV70. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so um, a, a, a lot of kind of a wide array of, um, of stuff to break down. So a lot of reading, I assume, for you. And, and yeah. just tell me, I hit this with everybody that comes on the pod, how much how much early on, how much sweat equity did you put into, um, just for people out there that hear a $65 million number yeah. and, and see you starting all these businesses, how much did you do, you know, pro bono essentially? Oh, look, we, we worked for nothing effectively. And, and that's why, you know, you read out earlier, the project engineer at Downer. Um, my website was... It, it earns just a tiny bit of money and, and it's nothing sort of nothing great because Google literally takes like 65 or 70% of commission on any ad products that they run on your site. So you really don't earn that much money. The Where you start earning the money is is when you, you can commercialise the product. So for us at the start, we we basically didn't get paid anything. So I, I was doing full-time work at, at Downer as a project engineer, um, you know, turning up in, in suit pants and a shirt and all that sort of boring stuff. And uh, and at the same time, I was doing all my car stuff in the background and at lunchtime and sometimes not, not at lunchtime. <laughs> yeah. But um, yeah, you got to really just get, you got to just keep going. And, and this is my advice for anyone. If you are in a business and, and you really want it to succeed, don't give up early. If you give up early and just don't stay at it, you'll you'll never actually finish it. You just got to keep at it and and just give it a crack. 
Yeah, no, good stuff. And I guess, I mean, just seeing all these YouTube channels all taking off now, I mean, um, I think I was looking, was it Carwell, the one over in the yes. UK? Like, yeah, <laughs> I watch his stuff all the time. That's absolutely crazy. But I think the whole dollars behind, I mean, they've pretty much got a permanent airfield and everything now doing all their tests, you know. Yeah, I mean, look, to, to be honest, uh, for people who want to get into YouTube stuff, um, I almost fell off my chair when I read that it was, uh, you're basically earning a dollar per thousand views. So you need, yeah. a, need to get basically a million views to get a thousand bucks. And the, the funny part is that uh, YouTube is a perfect example of one of those things where if you don't stick with it, you won't get anywhere. And we built our, our current channel from zero basically just over 12 months ago to 135 subscribers. Now we get 2 million views a month and we're Australia's most watched review channel. Mm -hmm. We will earn off that channel about currently 15 to 20 grand a month. Carwow, if you multiply their monthly views, they're at about 50 million views. Um, it kind of extrapolates really nicely. They're pulling in about 250 grand a month. Jeez. The most watched person on Facebook last month was Supercar Blondie. So she's a, oh, yeah. a Brisbane girl. Yeah. Um, yeah, I've seen her videos. Yeah. So, you know, she, she's been hard at it. She copped a lot of flack early on. She is earning over, just based on my calculations, just on, on YouTube, about a million dollars a month. Then add in all the sponsorship deals and all the Facebook stuff. Yeah. And that's why now she has a team of people around her. It used to just be her, her husband helping her out. But it, it does show you that, that once you build that following, if yeah. you have a USP, um, you can actually earn some decent money off there. So if you're doing it, just stick with it. It, it is worth it. Yeah. yeah, especially when you're not seeing results. Um, we talk about it all the time. Um, with, with the basketball podcast at times and, and even, even had Sushi Mango on a couple of weeks ago, it's like... <laughs> You got to do shit outside of your work hours, so you have to. You know, you might work a nine till seven and then get home. You got to spend two or three hours on a side project. Um, and they yeah. they spoke about, you know, they were eighteen hour days at times for them, and, and that's just the reality of it. It doesn't just happen, but a lot of people see the end result of oh, you sold a business, or oh, now you're now you're famous and you're getting a million views. It it takes time, and it, and it comes to a point where. You know, we're only getting a thousand views a week. It's not working or give up, you know. But like you said, if, if you stick with it, um, it can really work out well. That's it. It's like anything in life, you know. And, and you've got to fine tune the formula. Like, I, I mentor some people for, for YouTube stuff, and, and I'll look at their channels and I'm like, hold on, there's no consistency here at all. Yeah. One week you review a car, one week you're doing a video on your fish or something. And it's like, <laughs> people are here and they subscribe for car stuff. Don't give them fucking fish. No one cares yeah. about So, yeah, you really just have to look at what you're doing. And once you get the formula right, just go hard with it. And and like you said, you, you have to put in that sweat equity. If if it was easy, everyone would be doing it. Yeah, exactly right. Especially on with the internet. Um you think it'd be <laughs> you think it'd be easier these days because everyone has a camera phone and everyone everyone can kind of put videos up, but now there's there's even more competition out yeah. there because of that, so it makes it makes it mm -hmm. even tougher. But one thing I liked about your writing style and I took a note of it, it says the writing style I aim for targets average punters and speaks to the values and characteristics of the car. A Nissan patrol buyer doesn't want to know about handling or how easy the car is to park. Likewise a Ford Fiesta driver does not want to know about off-road capability or top speed records. And I think that's perfect because I'd assume you, have you ever studied the demographic of, of your your viewers? I'm sure you have with the analytics. I'm sure you'd have everything from mums and dads to young kids that want to thrash that's a it. car. And that's yeah. that's mm -hmm. fantastic because you're hitting, you're hitting all the boxes. Yeah, for me at the moment, um, the, the benchmark is the amount of females we can get in because blokes love cars. But ultimately, I know from my experience, if I bring a car home and say to my wife, hey, I just bought a new car, I'd end up on my ass outside because she's the one who gets the final say, no matter what it is. So a lot of females really aren't 
involved enough in that process and they'll watch a lot of other females review cars. So the fact that we're now getting a big increase in female viewers means that the way I break it down hopefully helps them. And the thing I hate the most, growing up, I I used to sort of have all these motoring journals that I love Mm. reading about and I, I hate when they try and make you feel like you can't do what they're doing. So when you read something that a motoring journalist does and they've framed it as if they're the the most special person in the world and only they're allowed to do this, it's like, no, no, it's your fucking publication that the manufacturer wants you there for. It's not because of you. So I think that I I try and make it as inclusive as I can to make sure that, you know, the person that, that, you know, watches a review of like the W1 that we did, you can buy that car. Like that can be you. You can be doing what we're doing. So you you can't be exclusive with that stuff. Yeah. And what would you put down to, I guess, I mean, your career so far? You probably have your top five cars you've you've reviewed. Well, look, um, the the one that still shines for me, as, as in the early days of car advice, we somehow got together about 20 grand to go do this European uh, supercar journey, right? And um, at the time, no one was really taking us seriously in Australia. And, and one of my business partners, Tony, he... He can literally sell ice to Eskimos. Like he's just the type of bloke that can just sell anything. He somehow got us into driving a whole bunch of new Lambos uh, and the Bugatti Veyron. And the Veyron included a factory tour. And uh, I was already over um, visiting Wog family in, in Croatia. And I said, you know, I'll just come over after that. And I sort of got into Molsheim in France and, and we rolled into the Bugatti factory and it was this incredible, mm-hmm. incredible place. And I thought... The second they see my license and see that I'm 19, there's no way they're going to let me drive this $3 million car. And uh, we're sort of getting closer to the point where we're about to drive the car. And he goes, okay, uh, who's driving? And I sort of put my hand up. He goes, okay, no worries, fill out this form. I looked at the form and I'm like, what the fuck? There's nothing here about insurance or age or anything. <laughs> and I'm like, fuck, I'm signing up to this. And we jumped in the car and we're on the, on the freeway. And, and I said to him, do you mind if I sort of punch it? And he goes, yes, it's your license. And I thought, oh, fuck it. I'm only going to be here once. Let's just do this. And I gave it a, a real sort of boot full and like 100 k's an hour, flat to the floor. It loses traction, even though it's got like 335 or what it, 365 tyres on the rear. And we get up to probably near 300 k's an hour and uh, I sort of start easing off the throttle and I'm sort of in, in awe. I look up in my mirror and there's a police car behind me and I thought, oh, fuck, I'm, I'm screwed. <laughs> I'm having flashbacks of Victoria where if you do a K an hour over the speed limit, they'll yeah. literally shoot you. And I moved out of the, the fast lane and I thought, okay, I'm, I'm probably fucked here. And um, he just comes up next to me, gives me a wave and then accelerates away. I'm like, oh, this is fucking cool. So um, that that was sort of still my highlight. Um, the second one, it, as, as silly as this, and actually it's not silly. I think a lot of people thinks, think this is silly, but the W1, when, that, um, when they announced that that was coming out, I, I have... You know, I have a huge appreciation for Australian cars mm-hmm. and um, I put my hand up to review that and we only had the car for three days, but I literally lived in the car for three days. I, I did <laughs> not get out of it. Um, and this thing was so cool. It had um, trade plates on it. So we had to the front number plate was just this HSV logo. Uh, the car was pretty much brand new. It was one of their prototypes. And, and with that, we had the chance to do some laps at Haunted Hills, which is this cool uh, hill climb circuit yep. in Maui. Um, and then we also did a, a set of drag races at an airstrip. Um, so that, that to me was just my absolute highlight. And the reason I say that silly is because a lot of people think European cars and they think these are yeah. you know, amazing and fast and stuff, but the W1 just takes it to another level. It is the pinnacle of Australian engineering and it mm. is an absolute beast of a car. 
Yeah, yeah, we've heard that. We've heard that a few times on the pod. Like mm. it's people that haven't driven one, we really kind of emphasise the point that you need to drive it. Don't just you know. There's a lot yeah. of Euro purists that yeah. kind of you know lift their nose up to HSV and even FPV, and you understand to an extent why. Like a lot, you know. FPV and HSV in the early 2000s, they milked a lot of their brand. They were were bringing out the same old shit with an extra sticker pack we laugh about all the time and and it kind of alienated some people. But that car stands on its its own four wheels. That and the W427 are absolute muster drive. Yeah, Yeah. so so, yeah, I mean, we we always kind of say that that one's up there with with the M5, BMW M5 or the AMG of of its era. Um, That's right up there for sure. Yeah, that's it. And I mean, you've got to look at this stuff now where we're heading with electric cars, right? I mean, I own a Tesla and I love that car because it's it's bullshit quick and at mm-hmm. the lights, um, even if literally a, a Lambo pulls up next to me, unless they engage launch control, I'll beat them without even trying. <laughs> yeah. And so you just basically punch it off the line and you're done. I love the tech in that car as well, but what it misses is just the noise. Yeah. And I've got a lot of old, you know, shit boxes that make a lot of noise and I will never get rid of them because mm. I, I like electric cars and all that sort of stuff, but I don't know, you just can't. You can't get oh, rid yeah. of the cool stuff. There's something about driving the car too, yeah. like the the new electronic stuff. Even even your your fuel cars, your late model stuff. You know, got X7, whatever. It's like you're not you're not really doing anything. Like it's it's plug and play. Whereas you know some of these older cars, like you know, breaking before the corner, don't break. In, like you know, yeah. just little yeah. things that young kids <laughs> these days would have no idea. You put them in that car, and they'd be they'd be straight off a cliff, right? Yeah. You know, gearing down, all that kind of gearing into the corners and. It just makes you feel like you gotta you gotta concentrate. Where you can't you, you you can't hold your phone while you're driving Fuck ever. You can't yeah. look at your phone. You no. know, like the old Valiant Pacer that I had, yeah. like yeah. that thing into a corner. Like if you're not if you're concentrating where, where your gearing's at and when you're braking, yeah. no power steering, drum brakes, like you're you're gone. Mm. <laughs> right? That's that's true. I mean, you look at new drivers today. They're in cars that if you crash them, you need to get an award because they have so many safety systems they're impossible yeah. to crash. When you see crashes, I'm like, how the fuck did that person crash? Because they get bored, that's why. Yeah. It's yeah. boring. Like you go on the East Link yeah. and, and you're driving 100K on a world-class brand new freeway exactly. in a brand new car. You're just like sitting there like, uh. <laughs> Whereas, you know, an old, an old school car, it's rumbling, it's keeping you awake. Like yeah. it's you're it's engaged so into like, driving it. It's just, just driving the Raptor here today. Like I was, because <laughs> I only got it yesterday, but. Oh yeah, breaking news. Yeah, breaking news. Does everyone know? Yeah, but um. I'm just looking around at everything. I mean, I'm not even concentrating, and it's just kind of just. Justin just bought a uh, brand new Ford Ranger Raptor for everyone. I did. That's not familiar. So yeah, watched um, Paul's car review and (laughs) saw him saying how good it was, and thought I'd go get one. Well, actually, tell me, do you reckon it's good? Do you like it? I love it. Yep, love it. Absolutely love it. We've only had two days. Come on. Yeah, a proper review. Oh, it's a damn good thing. Nah, so. it is. They're, they're good fun. They're good fun. You just feel but, you just feel above everybody. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Throttle the- controller. Anyone gets one. I got a home straight away. Fitted that. It is an absolute must. Well, how much one? does a throttle controller cost on it? Uh, two hundred and forty-three dollars, including postage or eBay. It's cheap. So it is. That so, is cheap. No, he's running over roundabouts. It is, yep. Going exactly. straight over him. So, no, That's a thing. You just, can. Yeah, you can. Like it's. <laughs> look, I mean for. It's a weird thing for me to have it. I mean, yes, I do do office work and everything, but um, it's just carefree driving, and, yep. that, and that's the best thing about it. Oh, no, I'm, I'm a big fan. Like, I had a, I had the original Raptor in the States when I was over there. and I, <laughs> I, I, So when I first got to the US, I was anti-pickup truck. I was like, yes. these American hicks, like, yeah. oh, I'll never own one of those. It's stupid. <laughs> and towards the end of my career, I was like, oh, I want to try one of these because I um, I mean, the story is, I've told it before, I had a, I had a brand new uh, M5 at that point, um, and I hit a curb, both my... Both tires on on, the, on that side of the car yeah. punctured. 
yeah. instantly, right? Yep. Low profile. So I was like, so I'm basically a tow truck point. So I'm like, so literally got the tires fixed and drove to a four dealership, traded the M5 in for a Raptor. <laughs> the dude's shitting himself. He's like, what do you mean? Like, are you sure? Are you sure? And it was on, it was on a lease at the time. So I was like, oh, just get rid, buy me out of the lease. I want that car. And then and then loved it, man. Like I honestly loved it. Chuck all my kids' bikes, everything in the back, no fuss, shitload of room, sitting above traffic, safe as houses. And I was, you know, that guy that shat on that car yep. <laughs> 10 years before, but I, I love him. I think I'm a big yeah. fan of the pickup trucks. It's yeah. so weird. It's even in Australia now, it's it's happening. Like the Raptor, you look at it, it's so unnecessary, but so cool. And even the fact that if you if you look at a, a traditional purist, if you said to them, okay, I'm going to give you this really cool car, but I'm going to put a two-liter diesel in it, they go, no, nah, fuck no. Yeah. And yeah. then it's like, well, they're all just on board with it. And it's, yeah, but it's a crazy thing. I mean, yeah. having like drive the M550 around and bloody slammed on signature wheels and has a whole look about it. But And you kind of get a few nods, but you, and just driving that thing, you get kids losing their mind. They're, it's just crazy. It's stock, but yeah. It's, You're not worrying about rushing your, your, your rims, your oh, wheels, exactly. you're going straight up, you're sitting above. They're just, yeah, they're a carefree car. Um, they are a little bit harder to park, so you got to kind of, you got to yeah. learn how to, at least the American ones are even bigger yeah. than that. You got to reverse into everything, which I got used to, which was fine. But it just—it was just such a carefree car compared to a high-end sports car that you don't want to park near trolley bays, you don't want to park near curbs, you don't. Your heart, this thing you yeah, just yeah. jump in and you're like, eh, whatever, just exactly. run, run. You know, and at that point when I got mine after rashing the BMW wheels, it was I was literally driving over curbs, and didn't <laughs> yeah, even notice yeah. it. You know, you're like, you're just, well, you know, he, to put that into context, um, this is a number that I use sometimes, and and it blows people away. So the Australian new car market is about a million new cars a year, or it was pre-COVID. In the States, the F-150 and just the F-150, they produce a million of those a year. It's the best-selling vehicle in America. And to think that our whole car market is in just one model in the States. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and, you, and you see it. And the new the new one they've brought out is even crazy now. They've put... Um, All the tech uh, in that, it's crazy. And just the, the, you can sleep in it now. Yeah. Uh, have you seen that? Have you done a yeah, review? Have you, the, well, the, yeah, I you've desperately them? want to get one. Man, I've it's seen out of control. Flat, like yeah, it goes flatbed like a plane, so you can sleep in these new F-150s. The rear tailgate has um, measuring tape on it, so you can actually um, measure you know, planks of wood you're cutting for your job. If you're on a building site, it's got um, actual wall plugs at the back. It's got you. It's, it's just wow. insane. If you're if you're a labourer, like that's the best car, best yeah. car you can get hands down. And the problem is we can't get them here. You know, and I've looked into, you know, importing mine and converting it. Then you lose your warranty, and you're like, yeah. "Fuck!" Like then I'm, then I'm, you know, some some banana doesn't convert it properly exactly. or has yeah. a bad day on one part of the car, and then you've got issues yeah. forever, right? You lose your your turning radius goes even worse yeah. on those things. So I've been anti it, but I'd love to get one here. But that, but from what I hear, they're never going to do it because of the Ranger Raptor, just going to hurt the yeah. market. Yeah, look, I think eventually we'll get to that point. So Toyota, um, I. I don't know why they did this, but I got a call from a marketing agency and they're like, oh, would you do a, a sort of a survey on um, big trucks? And I'm like, yeah, why not? By the end of the survey, I realised that, that they were studying whether they should bring the Tundra to Australia. Yeah. And um, I think if Toyota does it as a factory right-hand drive thing, we'll see the rest of them do it. Ford currently doesn't have any, well, this is the excuse they've given us. They don't have any more capacity left. Their production lines are 24-7 for F-150. So even if they did a right-hand drive version, the only real big right-hand drive markets are Japan, um, South Africa, Australia, and New Zealand. You have to justify the volume to make that work and the UK, but they're, they're not popular over mm. there. I think if Toyota does it, We'll see Ford do it as well, especially with the electric one, the, the F-150 Lightning that's coming. I think that that should prompt them to do a right-hand drive. Yeah, I hope so. Because it, it'll make, you know, if they come over for those big boys and more oh, more yeah. people, it's going to make the, rap, the Range Raptor obsolete, essentially, because yeah. most well, people that, are going to be like, why would I get in the... 
Oh, exactly. Essentially, the medium version yeah. of a of a truck. Exactly. Well, that was my kind of um, my plan around this is um, I'd love to get a Silverado. Wife said that's way too big, so I thought if I get that, she gets used to it. Break Within it in a year's time, I'll call it now. I'll have a Silverado. <laughs> and if you're listening, <laughs> yep, get the cash. Happen. Get the cash ready. All right, Justin, take us through. We go through an auction wrap, see what's moving. Yeah, um, Paul. So Justin, we'll we'll take us through that. Yeah, so um, I guess a big one circulating around is uh, Ford's waving the flag again because the XA GT Phase Four, one point seven five million. So it just went for so. Uh, we know the big Lloyd's market coming up. We'll get into soon. Um, Where was that at? So with some ultra ones. Um, I think that was some random kind of place. Was, it was Australian was, muscle car sales or something like that? I uh, was that segueing into something else yep. or something. So, but yeah, so, um, but yeah, but that that was massive, massive dollars. Huge dollars. Know, so, yeah, yeah. yeah. Come out of nowhere. The phase fours too. There wasn't. They weren't really known. There wasn't much known about them. The last couple, the purists knew about them, but yep. they weren't really mainstream. And now. Uh, a lot more people are like, what? Phase four? Never heard of yeah, it. Yeah, oh, exactly. I know it went up to three, but not four. So mm. in the XA, crazy, yep. crazy money. Do you reckon there's many around? There's only four of them. So, yeah, so... Um, All accounted for, though? Or was one or two gone missing and fell off a cliff? There was there was the third one no one really knew too much about, which was actually an interesting thing because um, yeah, my wife's last job, she actually met the guy um, who owned that so and got to see it. So it was, um, yeah... Yep. out in the southeast of um, Victoria, so it's um, yeah, pr- pretty crazy when she told me the story all behind that. So, yep. um, but uh, interesting car, which I was just freaking out. The, the dollars this pulled it is um, <laughs> the last ever Highway Patrol <laughs> XR6 Turbo Falcon sold for ninety four and a half. <laughs> That's crazy. Yeah, it's just I, I just still can't get Why? my head around the fascination. I, I get the. VLBT ones and everything, but seriously, just a white XR6 Turbo. It's just that's mind-boggling to pull that kind of money. They still have the uh, police gear on it. No, no it was all nothing. stripped down. All stripped down. Just, Everything. Yeah, had um, the 18-inch like um, yeah the was it the BA Typhoon wheels on I it. I assume like, high Ks as well with those yeah. things, right? And they're, they're th- like talk about. We talk about young kids up here yeah. playing to thrashing cars. Yeah. Those cop cars, that those cops thrash those. Oh, it's, yeah. they yeah. thrash the app. They're, they're, <laughs> they're redlining on every takeoff when they're oh, chasing exactly. someone speeding. <laughs> yep. so, yeah, and that that thing, man, it's always good getting reviews. I've got a few. Um, a few mates to Highway Patrol and it's always good to get their, their take on, <laughs> especially when the Passat's coming out and everything, what do they think of them? So it's, um, yeah, crazy. Uh, but, um, yeah, a few went through Lloyd, so VLSS Group A, um, yeah, 366,000, so. Low obviously. Yeah, um, yeah, tidy, tidy looking thing, so, um, yeah, some big dollars there. Two VN Group A's sold for one went for one hundred ninety one thousand, another one went for one hundred ninety five thousand. So, which kind of got weird because it was um, saw those flagged, wasn't too sure if they officially sold. It got updated later, as sold, so I'm not too sure. I reckon there's probably would have been some um, extra dollars or something changing hand in the background, but that's um, that's what I saw. That was flagged at um, VNSS thirty nine, uh, so thirty three thousand triple nine. So that that went for so. They're all they're kind of over the place at the moment, so but that's uh, that 
yeah, have seen some lower K examples even hitting the 50 grand mark now, but I think um, with those now, I reckon that's kind of find that sweet spot around that 30. It's entry level for, for an everyday worker, I guess, you know, because you know, um, yeah. my, I have a VP Series 2 SS with the HSV enhancement kit on it. It's got the chip uh, exhaust yeah. and what else did it have? I think it's just those two things. So it's got HSV plate. Yep. And I bought that uh, for, I think it was about 15 grand. And every time one of these comes up, Show it to my wife. Yeah, look, it's doubled. <laughs> look what I did. Yeah, yeah exactly. Look. I did a thing. So, yeah. Um, yeah, so set her up good. for the next purchase. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so, and I saw here this is a blue VS215 Senator. A um, bit rough, high kilometres. Um, bit rough is a bit of an understatement with this one, but they actually sold for, <laughs> sold for 43000 So, which uh, I was thinking, shit, this might be gone 20s, 30s or something. I was kind of shocked that they went for that. So, well, it's like we talk about all the time with HSV and FPV. You, if you want one, you're not. They're not making any more of them. You can't even get parts to restore them. So, yeah. you know, some of these rougher um, HSVs and FPVs we see, their part value in ten years will be yeah. what they're paying just on stripped part value because you just can't. Mm. You know, someone's out there making repro parts. They're still not original. So, for the purist yeah. that wants a numbers matching original car, oh, you got to pay what you got to pay. You know, so what, still where the auctions. I still get, I actually get to the point of just scratching my head is I see cars like this pull that kind of money. You can still jump on car sales or Gumtree and find a better example for cheaper. What I is just, with that? I don't get it. Yeah. Thinking. Just the emotion at auctions, I think. Yeah. I, I, I don't know neither. I mean, I've, I, I do actually because I've been in those auctions before and, and it gets emotional and then, you know, they try to... They try to drum up a bit of rivalry between you and another bidder, and then you're like, you know, yeah. F you, no, no, I'm going higher than you. And then it's always some guy that just looks like a douchebag bidding against you with a slick back hairstyle and jewelry <laughs> on, and you're just like, I'm going to outbid you. And so, that plays a part. But yeah, it's, I mean, do, do people not, yeah. do people not research? That was actually true when, I, um, when we bought your XAGT at Shannon's. There was this guy, he just looked like an absolute fucking toss up <laughs> on that. And I was thinking, going, yeah, I know I'm. I'm buying Andrew's money, but I want to beat this guy right now. <laughs> <laughs> it happens. But, like, why don't – yeah, people don't do research. Yeah. It's just still amazing, like, with, with everything in any industry, right? I don't care if it's business, mm. what we spoke about, yep. doing YouTube video. You, everything's available online. Like, my lawnmower broke, go on YouTube, there'll be a video, how to fix it. Like, whatever it is, yeah. why wouldn't you go online and research before oh, you go exactly. to an auction? You know? I think I have had mates who have just bought cars that have just turned up and they've just gone, oh, yeah, motions took over. Probably shouldn't have bought this. This is a bucket. I'm going to have to tidy this up and flick it. The buyer's regret. Yeah. Yep. It does happen. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I suppose this, it has been flagged as a $10 million auction coming up, which I kind of thought, yeah, I did strip back on other cars I just sold because I want to just concentrate a bit on this auction coming up. So it is um, XU3 Yeller W1. So build build uh, number one W one Malu, um, the W one sedan that's also painted XU XU three yellow number seventeen that one is. We got the VS GDSR number one which is pretty much brand new like plastic everything on it. So incredible car, all the documentation stickers everything still all on it. Absolutely brand new, and then uh, the GDSR Concept Coupe. So all these coming up. Um, let's go to predictions dollars. What what are we thinking? Oh, mate, ten million. If they get ten million, they're, they're doing pretty well. 
Um, I, I, think it'll, say, I think it'll be yeah. I think it'll be close. Text uh, Adrian, see what he's up to. I know. Yeah, he, yeah. Uh, all of a sudden it goes for twenty because his LMCT plus is in there, raffling it off three weeks later. Yeah, look, he was offered this. Um, he was offered these cars before it hit the auction block. So he was one of the first guys hit up about it and uh, rung me, and we both said, "Nah, no chance, crazy money that they're kind of wanting." But um, yeah, look. Well, I mean, break them down individually for us. What what have you got individually? Look, I reckon. The W on Malou, I reckon we'll probably will see 1.5 on that. Far out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Jeez. I reckon the sedan will hit a mil. I reckon the VSGDSR will go about 1.1. Yeah. Far out. And the concept Jeez. coupe's a weird one. People are saying dollars wasn't that, but I reckon that's going to hover around 650. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. So the floating five, five Mac, five would be a good number, not yeah. 10. Yeah, exactly. If it hits five all up. That, that's what I'm thinking, but um, yeah, look, I mean, it's, it is one of those where do you find them kind of auction that is the ultimate, the ultimate, but um, yeah, that's that's what I'm thinking. Well, can we stop for a second and just consider as well how much uh, Lloyd's is going to make out of this? Oh, so they, I know. They yeah. take a percentage off the buyer and the yeah, seller. They, they do well, yeah. these auction companies. It is crazy. Yeah. yeah. I think, what, what is Lloyd's? Seven and a half? Yeah, seven yeah, and a half percent. Yeah, both ways? Is it both yeah. ways? Yeah, both ways. So 15%. Yeah, I'm sure possible. that would have been a bit of negotiating around Surely. this, but... Um, <laughs> But the, yeah, that's that's it's just freaking crazy. But even all the hype around it, everything's going about the W ones. But like, we all have to stop and think about that VSGDSR. Like, yeah. I mean, build number one option with the sunroof, optimized, brand new. Like, it's. I, yeah. I'm thinking as well that that's probably going to be the breadwinner because, yeah, like the other two are, are amazing. You know, new cars, but the the VS, especially with you know, the fact that it's new and all that sort of stuff, I think that that will surprise us. Yep. And if it doesn't, uh, there's something wrong with the world. Yeah. <laughs> oh, hands down. He could be ballsy as well and put these all in a package and just not sell them individually. Well, I, I wonder that, the mindset around that. If you, if you did that, you well, could from what potentially was, lose more, but you could potentially be like, this is the number yeah. for well, all four. Well, from what I was actually told, that that was the plan. That's um, that's what he wanted to do. And um, Probably shoot themselves, to, though. They probably shoot themselves <laughs> with that because like, you're really going on a niche buyer at that point. Yeah, if you're going oh, all yeah. four and there's only a certain number of people in Australia that have yeah. five million floating around for four cars. Oh, exactly. <laughs> but it's, um, it is kind of weird at the moment that a lot of big collectors that I chat to are all kind of shrugging now. They, they just think the price is now. It's just cooked and, you know, you can corner yourself a yellow, you know, W1 sedan, but if you look at the actual dollars into that, you rip that out and spread that across some other collectible cars, you know, you might be able to just get yourself, you know, normal colour W1, W427, and then, you know, have some change. So you have to think about it that way too. And that's why we're seeing like a standard SS go up in value because yeah. it's more accessible now. People can still get behind a nice muscle car yeah, and not, not mortgage the house, right? Yeah, exactly. That's, that's the struggle with all this. But the mark, like we've spoken about, I don't know your take on this, Paul, give us your take, but Justin and I, probably about 18 months ago at the start of this pandemic, we were like, you know, yeah, putting our hands together because we're like <laughs> as bad as this pandemic has been for everyone early on we didn't know it was going to go this long but yeah. we're like shit this is going to this is going to you know flatten the market a little bit because yeah. it was crazy to that point we yeah. were like how, where are people getting money from because people were drawing on their home home yeah. loan their business loan buying cars so, so muscle car prices were going crazy we're like this is going to steady it out because people are now going to feel the pinch of of um you know, not being able to work as much, uh, blah 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 blah. They might, the wife might finally say, "Hey, 
you've got a lump of cash sitting in the garage that you can't drive right now with lockdowns, get rid of it, you know, pay, pay down yeah. a mortgage. It's gone the opposite. It's got like not just gone the opposite, it's yeah. gone steroids opposite. I, so what yeah. do you put it down to? We, we've put it down to people being at home too much probably on the internet, people having a bit more cash because they're not yeah. buying eight lattes a day. Yeah. But how do, you, how do you see all that? I don't know. I was in the same boat. When all this started, I thought, you know, we've just started a new business. We write about new cars. People are not going to be buying new cars anymore. The exact opposite has happened. And same thing here with the classics. And the other, the, the slightly more disturbing thing about the classics is, especially at auctions, you're paying with cash. It's not finance. You're not mm. going out and getting a loan. You're paying with a bank deposit. So people are, I don't know where they're getting their money from and... And I, don't, I also don't know, is it sustainable? Like in 18 months' time, will that VNSS, for example, something that isn't super collectible, is that going to actually hold its value or will all that stuff come down? I mean, it's... We haven't seen a dip for a decade now. No, exactly. It's been a and, decade probably, and, yeah. And even things like, I mean, I'm even watching that um, even the VSGDS are moving. What's going to happen to the fly-on effect of just 215? You know? Yeah. 215 HSVs. I mean that, and that, and that's what's actually causing those spikes. I mean, if that GDSR hits 1.1, then suddenly other GDSRs that are sitting around probably that 200, 300 mark for low K ones will instantly go to probably six, seven hundred. Yeah. But do, then, but do we think things go backwards based on? I'm, talk, I'm talking more I, specific to Australian yeah. muscle cars because you can't, think, you can't get them anymore. You yeah, can't. Yeah. So yeah. does that play a part? Does it, can it go backwards? Yeah. Look, I, I still think that. Um, a big flying effect from this will just be interest rates later on. Because let, let's be honest, yeah. I mean, people having cash, we're at record low interest rates. You know, say your average person that, um, you know, that's actually in this realm now of buying VSs and VNs and everything, you know, that age of that 35 to 40 age bracket, bought their house 10, 15 years ago, you know, 400,000, let's just say that. And then suddenly it's worth six, 700,000, rip some equity out of it, record low rates, go buy these cars I've always wanted. What's going to happen later on when rates go up, things tighten up a bit, yeah. and then I guess this pandemic, like we're saying before, the flow and effect, what can happen? What does ten years look like? Yeah, you know. So, well, look, I, I set up so, a, um, uh, you know, how you get the car sales alerts. I've got alerts set up for all the Ford and Holden, uh, Ford and Holden stuff, and then I've got a script set up to take all of the dollar values and put it into a spreadsheet. Mm -hmm. And then I've got another script that queries car sales to keep track of prices and the stuff that i think will eventually taper off or go down is like the amount of alerts i get for ss commodores with ninety nine thousand k's on them <laughs> like literally my mate has a malu and he was on 99 i said you need to fucking park that thing because yeah. it's gonna just hit the floor and he broke a hundred thousand like well you may as well just drive it you to five hundred thousand now yeah. but yeah the amount of people that are listing those i think they're the ones that we're going to see contraction on but all yeah. this stuff I, I don't know if you pay a million dollars for one, how it could possibly go down in value. Like it's something that, that transacted at a million dollars. It surely can't go backwards. Yeah. Oh, look, I mean, um, I guess it, anything getting to this million dollar stuff is those kind of niche niche buyers and that and that's where it will change hands around it. So, But we saw it with the phase threes for a while. So mm. it was two, three, four hundred uh, ballpark 10, 10, 15 years ago. Yeah. Then we had that big splurge of, of mm -hmm. the media blitzes on a current affair and all the new site, a million dollar Aussie muscle car and then it kind of contracted again. So yeah. that's a prime example. They went, they've gone through the wave. Mm. Um, HSV just hasn't really hit that that, yeah. that that downturn um, in the last couple of years, at least in the last decade, it's just been crazy. Just oh, exactly. how people, like you said, Paul, how, how people are affording this. Um, but it's, it's quite funny with these WMLEs. I think four of them produced, four of them 
like the original owners, you'd think <laughs> never sell them. All changed hands now. Multiple it's, times it's, too. Yeah, yeah right, some exactly. of them have gone just yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, we'll get into some news, um, some interesting stuff around the world. First, Australia, of course, the nanny, the nanny country right now, the nanny state. Um, police have suspended the license of an 80-year-old driver for six months after the man was allegedly detected travelling at 182 kilometres an hour. According to South Australia Police, the elderly man Subaru Impreza W. RX was travelling at more than 80 kilometres over the posted speed limit, resulting in a $1,814 fine and an immediate loss of licence. Surely, he can just say, mate, I'm, I'm old, I man. passed out, my, my foot got stuck. Oh, man. The Subaru might have given it away a little bit though. Yeah. Might have just been freaked out and he might have been spending to get his Pfizer vaccine or whatever, so who knows. That's it, he wants to be health conscious. <laughs> exactly. <yeah. laughs> well, that's the thing, hitting 180 k's an hour in, in any car takes a bit of effort. In a old Subaru Impreza WRX, it takes a lot of commitment. So At 80. I, yeah. At 80 as well. It's like it's I'm just impressed at 80 still driving an Impreza WRX. <laughs> I know, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, it's crazy. I reckon if he was in just the stock bog, you know, l- Lancer or a yeah. Holden from back in the day that he bought was brand new. He might have got away with. Oh, I just passed out for a yeah. second. My foot. Actually, you know what's got me thinking. Of, I mean, you probably would have seen over in the UK. Did you see the guy? Um, who's like seventy something years of age. Had a full modified um, Golf R. No. Oh, you got to. I have to send the video. Love that. Yeah, there's a guy over there. Like he's chopped and changed a few cars, and he went from that to like a M140i. But he just modifies the I fuck love out that. of them. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. Well, you know, the funny thing is, do you remember, I think it was maybe five or ten years ago, they had the Datsun, I think it was a, what was the orange coupe? Was it a 120Y? I can't remember what it was. Basically, it was done for doing 160 or something, and the lady was like, it it won't even do 100, and they took it to Calder Park, and it would like, the max it got to was like 110, (laughs) and they proved that the speed camera was faulty. I just wonder in instances like this, you know, how accurate some of this stuff is. Mm. Um, because I remember, uh, you know, when Eastlink was opened and they had that camera that was doing everyone for 108. I did a story with a current affair where we, we loaded this Commodore up with literally like a hundred grand worth of GPS speed measure, measurement equipment. Mm. And I did bang on a hundred through that speed camera, probably 10 or 15 times. And we filmed this whole story expecting for me to get 10 or 15 fines in the mail for 108. No fine ever came through. So I just wonder whether they fixed it or, or what the story was because um, I did research on this stuff a while ago and you have to have at intersections uh, a primary and secondary speed measurement. So what you'll see at a lot of intersections on the ground is um, strips in the road and they measure the amount of time it takes for your car to cross the strip, which mm-hmm. gives you the speed. The secondary measurement is a device called a turtle, which is like this little radar beam off the side of the road and it measures how long it takes your car to break the beam on each side. Those two have to match before the camera flashes and gives you a fine. My understanding was with the Eastlink one, it was mounted to the to the bridge, and when trucks were going over it, it would shake the bridge slightly and would give false readings. Oh, wow. And that was my understanding. That that's how they fixed it. Um, I don't know if that's true or not, uh, but one of the things I'm doing at the moment, I'm importing a, um, a Caprice uh, PPV, which is the police cars they built in Australia and exported to the States in yeah. left-hand drive. And I'm decking it out with all the gear they would have for the highway patrol cars, and I'm going to rent it out to movies and stuff. But I'm doing research at the moment on the radar equipment. And the radar equipment is surprisingly not very accurate, depending on the weather. The laser stuff is incredibly accurate, but if you ever get done by a radar that's mounted to a police car, there's a lot of variables that can actually make that 
an inaccurate fine. And it also relies on their honesty as well, because mm. it's up to the police officer to say that your car was the one that triggered my radar. All it will tell you is the fastest car in the zone. It takes them to look and find your car to see that it's the fastest. So it relies on them, not an actual piece of equipment. So, yeah. Keep an eye out. If I'm sure they'll admit fault if they're wrong, mate. I'm sure, oh, yeah. I'm sure oh, you get a fine attraction, especially in Australia. Especially yeah. in Australia. Um, yeah, they'll definitely be honest about making a mistake. These uh, traffic management units, we love them. Shout out to the tra- traffic management units. Uh, got a fair few cop mates that aren't, do, aren't yeah. too friendly with them. Yeah, exactly. exactly. <laughs> Give them a bad name. All right, so Ford is struggling with production. Once again, we mentioned chip shortages a couple of weeks ago. We mentioned it again, the flow-on effect. Um, there are many white water uh, moments ahead for us that we have to navigate. Um, the second quarter will be even worse than the first, and Ford could lose 700,000 units of production and half of what normally would be built. That is on top of the 22,000 partially finished vehicles that can't be delivered to waiting customers. Even the second ha- half of the year will likely see a 10% reduction in output. The shortage could cost 25 billion with a B, the loss of 1.1 million vehicles up from early projections of as little as 200,000 and the fear is it will stretch into 2020. I would probably agree with that, looking out the window right now. Um, the timing is bad, Farley says Ford's lineup has never been hotter, it feels like we'll be chasing demand for quite some time, the CEO says. Then he gave a lit- litany of vehicles he says are completely sold out. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah, well, um, what does that do to the used car exactly market, which we see, yeah. you know, he's gone through the roof at the moment. Exactly. I mean, well, that's thing I mean, with this with the flow on effect to, yeah, to 22. Um, look, I mean, I, I haven't had some friends say to me that um, when I bought this Raptor going, oh, you know, I should probably wait for the next one to come out. But that, that's what I think. I'm going, well, <laughs> when? we can't. Yeah, exactly. When are we going to get this stuff? Especially in so, Australia, we get shafted. We, we're last on the list yeah. for most makers. So, yeah. I mean, we, we do, Raptors are what, Tha- are they Thailand? Thailand, yeah. yeah. Raptor yeah. Ranger, yeah. So we were close by there, but America probably doesn't, uh, if they're having a shortage, <laughs> we're going to be oh, in but, some big trouble. Oh, exactly. But even um, I, was, I was chatting to a mate at BMW head office the other day just about just the lack of cars just coming out. It's just getting worse and worse. And Volkswagen's now got big delays. So, um, yeah, that um, wife likes the new um, the new Tiguan R-Line. Watch actually your review yep. on that as well. Great thing, but you <laughs> yep. can't, can't get them. Like yep. The weight yep. on those are massive too. So, yeah, you know what? Um, Toyota announced yesterday, so the 300 Series Land Cruiser was due to be in dealerships in October. They're now going to be delayed up to 12 months because yeah. basically chip yeah. shortage. Toyota actually had a business continuity plan that had enough stock in there in case something like this happened. So Toyota was the last to be affected. They've now run out of the very sort of, the Japanese are so modest with this stuff, but mm-hmm. the, the very sort of uh, big stockpile they had. So we're going to see this going for a long time now. And the problem is that it's it's a seller's market. So if you yeah. try and go get, like BMW, for example, if you try and go get a discount on anything, they go, no, no. I've sold that car like five times over if, if exactly. for full price. Yeah. So yeah. yeah, we're going to be hurting for a little while. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I haven't heard that because um, a mate of mine's looking for a, a Rugged X Hilux. And um, yeah, he said it's just crazy. He'll get phone calls of and sudden, you know, suddenly these cancelled orders, but then the price has gone up 10, 15 grand, <laughs> you know, so, yep. and that's just what it's like. So it's, you know, I guess we've seen that, you know, you know Bogues have seen that in the States um, just when new release, you know, Raptors and that come out and the yeah, demand de- for them dealers, is the dealers. What's well, the same the as when, when W1s first came yeah, out to dealers? Came out as that well. was their opportunity to shaft everyone and put tax yeah. on it, which, you know, w- within their right, I guess, because mm. of the demand. But 
Yeah, I mean, do we see the next the next the next war probably on ground is going to be to do with chips and, and mining for, yeah. for for batteries yeah. and all that kind of yeah. stuff because we're seeing a shortage already. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas back in the day, it was obviously oil and fuel and petroleum and whatnot, but it's starting to change. And even the way all that stuff's mined is pretty pretty horrific. It's it's generally done with slave labor, and yeah, yeah. we talk about. People overlook that stuff. We talk about the electric cars and, and it's a lot of people that are, you know, environmentally conscious are all like, you know, it's better for the environment. It does X, Y, Z. It's great for, but they're not seeing the ramifications. Have you seen um, Prius batteries? There was, a, there was someone that posted uh, a couple of days ago. Um, they can't do anything with them once they're dead. They just, it's a big block of shit just sitting in your yeah. guy's workshop. Yeah. He's like, yeah. battery's dead. We can't do anything with it. I've taken it out of the car, replaced it. What do I do with this now? Yeah, because yeah, they often yeah. will charge you to dispose of that stuff. So as if they're going to go and pay someone to dispose yeah, of this thing, exactly. Or dump it, somewhere. and it costs it more to yeah. So then the yeah. the people that are servicing these cars are like, what do, what do I do as a workshop now? <laughs> I'm stuck with yeah, this massive with ba- this, clunk yeah. of battery, and then apparently all they're doing is burying them somewhere out in the desert, you know, yeah. and that's contaminating soil. So there's Jeez. as you know, people that are environmentally conscious think that you know fuel's bad, oil's bad. Yeah, it is, but for the most part. It does evaporate, you know. It does evaporate in the, in the atmosphere. Yep. The batteries, yeah, yeah. Well, look, they're they're working on uh, new batteries now. Can be recycled to a degree. The problem is um, fires. I don't know if you've seen. Uh, Chevy has basically recalled all of the bolts because they were just spontaneously combusting. <laughs> and then the problem is a lithium ion fire Once that- takes. It's oh, like yeah. three days. Oh, we saw it out here in uh, yeah, Geelong, did, Geelong yeah. caught off the yeah. te- Tesla. The te- yeah. Tesla. Yeah. It's yeah. like we talked about it. Yeah. Three day fire. <laughs> yeah, even the fireys are just like, yeah, we were struggling to figure <laughs> out how to put this thing out. Like, yeah. what? <laughs> yeah, look, they are fixing that with. Uh, so there's lithium ion, I O N, and then there's lithium iron, I R O N, and they're less susceptible to, to that sort of thermal runaway. But at the end of the day, you're still going to have these issues long term about what do we do with these batteries. The other problem in Victoria is a lot of our electricity is generated by coal. So, okay, you might not be polluting out in the city, but mm. out in wherever coal's you know burnt yeah. to make electricity, you're chugging it out over there to power your car. So it's out in your lawn. Yeah, that's it. Sorry, guys, if you live near <laughs> yeah, exactly. your lawn. Yeah. Well, it's like we spoke about the blokes in the Teslas carrying a diesel generator in the back <laughs> in case they break down on the side of the road and give their car a quick charge up. It's like, I'm doing it for the environment, though. Exactly. Um, but, Justin, I have an option for you for your Raptor, mate. Ooh, okay. uh, I don't know if you saw this news, but uh, Ford, the, the European wing in Germany, have released the Ford LGBT uh, Q. I'm not sure how many other letters there are now. Raptor. Okay. <laughs> um, the story goes that um, someone in the comments on one of their posts. Um, sh- this is a shameless marketing ploy by them, by the way. But anyway, someone in their in their comments called one of the Raptors gay. Used the word, "Oh, that's gay." Mm. So to contra that, Ford in uh, in Germany thought it'd be a good idea to to essentially gay up a Ford Raptor. So you can get one in full rainbow outfit and they've 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 actually called it, this is not my words, if they've called it the, the, the very gay Raptor. Um, <laughs> so you can get one of those, Justin, if you get sick of the red colour. And I, oh, okay. and I actually saw as well that you can order um, a BMW badge. With the oh, with the rainbows. Yeah, that would be cool. So I can get you that for your extra. Shameless, shameless plug for <laughs> Germany. Shame on you. Shame on you. There's idiots out there, but we, you know... We can't. Um, I don't know if I'm if I'm driving around in a in a rainbow coloured uh, Ford Raptor and just not my style. But anyway, new Nissan Z should be sub 100k and around 300 kilowatts. Thoughts on the return? I actually liked it. Yeah, looks know, cool. Doesn't yeah, it? it does. 
So, well, I think you've had the new Supra. Are you going to get one of these? Um, look, the the problem I have with this, because I'm a sort of tech person, um, Nissan's infotainment systems are just so bad. <laughs> and the thing I loved that, about that, yeah, the thing I love about the Supra is. It, it's basically iDrive, just with it's Toyota branding. Yeah, yeah, it's a BMW. So I know that when I get into the car, it just does everything a BMW does. Um, the other thing to keep in mind as well, that the new Nissan Z is actually not new. It's based on the old platform, and the old platform was out for donkey's yeah. years. Um, but I do know um, uh, uh, Tamura-san, who is, the, I guess, the, the chief sort of GTR man. He was behind this. He is an absolute legend of a bloke and loves his cars. And I think the, the fact that he was involved in this from the start, he did stuff like the GTR, the GTR Nismo. Um, I think the fact that he's involved means it should be a good thing. And if you put the infotainment system to one side, twin turbo V6, it's hard to complain. <laughs> yeah. That's the thing, man. It's, uh, as long as it performs, because it's going to be take you, taking you at least 35 minutes for your phone to pair every time <laughs> you get in it. So, or it's um, pairing with your neighbor's phone or something. Oh, it is. That's terrible. And it just drops out. It's... Yeah, I remember in a Navara that um, I was driving that literally you get a phone call. Let's just say you listen to your Bluetooth audio, you get a phone call. After the phone call ends, for some reason, your Bluetooth audio will just freeze up and you hit and play on the screen. doesn't work. You've actually got to um, – don't so recommend to do this, but off. you have to actually get your phone and hit play on your phone <laughs> while you're driving. You're not supposed to be touching your phone, but you got to hit play for it to then re-engage again. So Shit. that was an issue. It is actually trash. It really is. But a lot of a lot of cars have. Like, I've, I've even found some on BMW. They just can't figure. It. There's so much tech gremlins with oh, is, with compatibility yeah. to, to Bluetooth and phones. Yeah. They just they just can't can't get it right. Yeah. Like that's it's, why I keep going back to Volkswagen because I must say that just you can't fault it. Like oh really? If, if my so drive you, if my wife drives like our old Golf R or something, and then I just jump back in again, the phone just pair up straight away. Where BMWs did mess around. That's why we did get to the point of programming the keys and using each other keys because if you do want to drive five minutes down to the shops, at least your phone pairs straight away. But yep. yeah, but the Nissans are terrible. I don't know. Yeah. I've got to say though, you know, the, um, I don't want to harp on about my Tesla here, but the thing I love about it is there's no key. So you literally, it just pairs with your phone. So all you do is walk up to the car, grab the door handle. It detects who has unlocked the car and it gives them that profile. So if my wife's with me and I open the door, it will basically connect to my seat settings and yeah. phone and all that sort of stuff. That's awesome. Um, and you don't have to touch anything. Then when anything does fuck up with the tech and stuff, they just roll out a software update. And then where, where I park at home, I've got a Wi-Fi thing there. It just gets an update overnight and then it just puts on the new feature and, and That's whatever. Awesome. So I, I think a lot of them, BMW is now doing that as well. They're, they're doing remote software updates. As they all get to that stage, it won't mean that when you get a bug in your new car that you just have to live with it forever. They'll just be yeah. able to fix it overnight, which is pretty cool. This is the way it should be with technology, I guess. Yeah. We've, yeah, we've got it all. We might as well use it. Honda, this is an interesting one. No haggle policy. A few other people have tried this in the past as well. I can't remember. Uh, I know I've read this before um, previously, but anyway, Honda is pressing ahead with the bold experiment to change the way we buy cars. Despite flagging sales, the car maker has effectively cut dealers out of the sales process, taking ownership of its new car stock and introducing a no haggle policy aimed at reducing the stress of buying a new car how yeah, this goes look it is all venturing down that path now with click and collect so um i know tesla's pretty much saying firm on pricing audi's also talking about doing the same thing so um yeah it's uh, i think it's just going to be that it's just going to be that way well question for you guys uh next year mercedes-benz is doing this as well so they've they've announced that they're doing this toyota's going to move to it as well would you do you feel better knowing that if you go to the dealership and say i want to buy that car is the cost i'm just going to pay it 
do you feel better knowing that you've paid the same as everyone else or would you prefer to be able to haggle? Haggle, 100%. Haggle, yeah, it's, part, sure. it's the art. Like yeah, exactly. half, my car, half my car collection were cars at times that I probably didn't even want yep. that I just haggled. I like threw out a saying. stupid offer to someone yep. and they said yes. I'm like, oh shit, Damn it. I didn't really want it that bad, but I got it so yeah. cheap. Exactly. Okay. I'm the opposite because I'm shit at haggling. Like I... I do what my dad does, which is get angry at them and then <laughs> abuse them. Yeah, and yeah. then I just have to walk out because they don't want to deal with yeah. me anymore, or they're calling yeah. the police or something. So. We literally will not buy cars, and if we want it, we will walk away because they just want five hundred dollars more. <laughs> <laughs> it's just us. I love that. Uh, look, yeah. it is an interesting thing. Like, and Honda. I don't know, Honda's cars at the moment are just so boring. That's what I was going to say. It doesn't anyway. even matter if they do. I don't, I don't think their buyers are the haggling type anyway. Yeah. It's just, so yeah. well, they're just going to have a sticker price and that's it, right? Yeah. yeah. So then the dealers basically, they'd have no incentive to know anything about the car, would they? No. Nah. Why would you? Yeah. You, you just it's basically walk nothing. in. That's a price. Yeah. It's got four wheels, steering wheel. You want it? You don't? So I, I, I don't know. I don't, I don't know how it's going to go. Yeah. Um, but talk about click and collect. We, we um, text back and forth about that um, and, and tell, tell the listeners what that's all about. Yeah, so, um, yeah, click and collect is an interesting thing now. I've had a couple of mates who've actually bought BMWs this way, um, just when... But um, what did we... What did I say yesterday? There's a new new business that's actually coming out. That's that's a whole... Which is exactly uh, that, yeah. Yeah, it's a... I think it's called Cars 24. Yeah, yeah, that's what it was, yeah, Cars 24, whereas interesting part that we both picked up on is the policy ran, if you don't like the car... So it's full click and collect kind of thing. So yeah, cars24.com. Yep. Yeah, so it's just pretty much they're doing 300 point safety check, all, these, car, all these things on cars, it for yep. used cars. Mm-hmm. Um, so pretty much taking taking all that fear out of it for the buyer. But then, yeah, the interesting thing there, seven day, 100% money back guarantee. If you, it says, actually says, if you don't love the car. So, pretty bold. Um, I'm interested in that yeah. because when I go... Um, oh, mate, the rod in me just says, I need a car. Oh, exactly. I'm going to, I'm I'm going to Brisbane that. for a week. I'm just going to be like, hey. Yeah, so I'll, I'll buy I'll a buy. car and then just go... <laughs> That's don't. why I was like, there has to be some yeah. sort of... Um, I wasn't in love yeah. with that. You can come collect that at the airport. There has <laughs> to be a transit. <laughs> no, there has to be a transit. There's, there has to be some fee. There's got to be yeah, a fine print fee. Because yeah, like you... Unbelievable. I'll figure out pretty quickly that yeah, people are going to yeah. rot this. Oh, we will. We've been straight away being shady as possible all over that. There's a certain demographic of buyer that's going to take advantage of that. Look, I think it's interesting because... To be honest, uh, the whole money back guarantee, um, a good example is like mattresses, right? I bought a Koala mattress. It has a 120 day sleep. I've been thinking guarantee. about getting one of those. So, yeah. That all the sleeping duck one was for Go the those, sleeping duck one. I go sleeping duck. Yeah. Right. Um, okay. So, yeah, with the Koala one, you get to the point where you kind of forget um, that you bought it 100 days ago and you can still return it and you just don't bother. You know, it's, mm-hmm. it's a really yeah. weird mental thing that if you know that you can, you just don't. And, and moving a bed is a pain in the ass as well. It, so you're just that's like, oh, the that's other thing. It's like you can't be bothered actually doing it. So I think with a car, it's the same. I reckon what they'll do is, my mate, funny story, he used to run a porn site. And this was ages and ages ago where you subscribed over. Porn uh, or P-A-W-N porn? No, P-O-R-N. Oh, okay. so yeah, the yeah. good stuff. And what he did was he would sign, he would offer people access to the site for, it was like $20 or you can sign up for $10 a month. Mm-hmm. But what he did was with the uh, unsubscribing of the sign up, what the company did was he would send them a check in the mail and the check would be branded from the porn site. So because oh, of the they, they, they would, up, they'd yeah. be shamed not to... So that's I sus- genius. I suspect with these guys, they'll make it really hard to return the car. So these guys drop the car off to you, but I think to return it, they might say, you've got to bring it back to us. And you That's right. They have to, right? Because it's just, it's, if it's too convenient, people are going to take yeah. advantage of it. Oh, exactly. 
I think. And that's thing if you've bought a Nissan and the um, tech's really bad and you're trying to call out to get it to return the car and you'll miss out on your seven days anyway. So. Yeah. <laughs> to, to your phone, since. <laughs> yeah, interesting one. I'm just, yeah, I'm not sure how that will go. We'll watch that space. An interesting one about speed cameras, um, just quickly, that we're talking about. There's a speed camera lottery in Stockholm, Sweden, where drivers who drive at or under the speed limit are entered to win money the prize fund comes from the fines paid by people who are speeding i like it that is yeah, clever. I, do, I do like that that is such can you imagine the government idea. here if you suggested that oh yeah <laughs> they'd love that <laughs> the salaries would go down 90 percent. that's fair though yeah. that's more than fair so yeah. you're, you're rewarding you're not just penalizing people for doing yeah. the wrong thing you're rewarding people for doing the right thing whereas we oh, don't exactly. the nanny state here and we, there's no way they'd even table they'd laugh this out of the room as soon as they read the first sentence but I like it because it, it's emphasising some positivity, not just negativity. Oh, yeah. I mean, hands down. I mean, I'd like to see Dan Andrews donate 50% of his salary to anyone who hasn't, or I guess who's maintained their um, 12 demerit points for the last five years. Goes in the draw. I'm out. Yeah. <laughs> I'm out. Yeah, I'm, I'm in trouble there. You know, I reckon as well something they can do with speed cameras here, because a speed camera is just a device that measures how long your car takes to, to travel between two small points, they really should look at um, converting them all into tailgating cameras because if, if you said to someone, okay, we're going to bump the speed limit up, but if you tailgate, all the cameras are going to be able to take a photo of you tailgating and send you a fine. I think a lot more people are going to support that because there's mm. nothing worse than, you know, if you're not in the right-hand lane hogging it, it and sort of being in everyone's way, that if someone is tailgating you, that, that they should be able yeah. to sort of I was actually it. I was actually thinking that with um, – because always having, you know – nice HSVs and everything that I'm not a tailgating person. I've got to stay yep. right back because I'm always worried about stone chips. But yep. buying the Ranger Raptor now, I need to learn how to tailgate. I was going to say. I was about to say, you're in the prime <laughs> yeah, car. It's I've you. Been, I have to do that well, now. This is all aimed <laughs> at you. And you got to have a, exactly. a couple of tools in the back in case exactly. there's some road rage. You can chuck <laughs> yeah. some hammers at people. Exactly. But it's 100%. Yeah. You're the guy. I, I have to be that guy now. So. It's, <laughs> but um, also, I will go back to your other point. <laughs> if you are in the right lane, Oh, yeah. It's such an Australian thing for people to be like, I'm exactly on 100 or 99. I'm not moving because I'm doing oh, the right thing. Yeah. And you're like, look, I don't condone speeding, but if the guy behind me wants to go faster than me for whatever reason, I move out of the way. It. It's yeah. common courtesy. Yeah. Europe's so good at it. Um, even America, to an extent, is good yeah. at it. We're, we're such a nanny state and we're ingrained. We've seen it with coronavirus, people dobbing on their neighbours for having a visitor and all that. It's the same thing. I'm, I'm doing the right thing. You shouldn't be, so yep. I'm not moving. It just shits me. To do, like if someone wants yep. to go 105, get out of the way. Absolutely. Um, yeah, my father-in-law's like that. Uh, he picked us up once from the airport and he's sitting in the right-hand lane doing... I start getting uncomfortable when I'm driving people. I'm, I'm looking yeah. at my mirrors like, hey, move over, man. <laughs> yeah, I was just like, you know it's illegal to do what you're doing? And he's like... Oh yeah, but I'm not speeding. I'm like, yeah, but it's uh, it's illegal, and you're pissing everyone off. Like everyone is tailgating you now because you're sitting there, and there's no one in the left hand lane. <laughs> yeah, so I yeah. totally agree. Yeah. <laughs> God. <laughs> All right, Q and A, Justin. What do you got? All right. So, um, first one here from Ed. Hi, lads. Do you think automatic transmissions hurt the long term value of a collector car? Um, potentially, maybe a little bit. Depends what kind of car it is. Yeah, but. exactly. So. Oh look, I, I think with things that to have that, um, you know, that cool vibe around them, like, you know, I guess to me, if you had a say a VS GDS, if you had an auto one versus a manual one, well then yeah, of course, it, of course it will because you know all the big test times, everything that if you kind of think back to the. Um, you know, when uh, motor was doing the tests on the cars, everything was all, all just about the manual transmission. I think just it, that that to me has to be a manual car. So I think there, but you know, 
if you had a, um, a VS Senator, that's just more of a luxury car, if that was an auto or manual, then not massively if you've got a low K example. But I think that, um, I guess with these cars, that um, the vibe around them with the whole muscle car manual just does come hand in hand with it. So I guess if you did have a higher K manual versus lower K auto, well, then probably the, the demand behind it is going to be towards, um, yeah, the manual transmission just because it does have that stigma to it as well. I guess if, um, you know, going to, um, remember just going around just to car shows and everything like that and um, you'd see you'd see a really, really nice example of HSV park there, but then the guy's chucked his jumper over the transmission because <laughs> he's a bit, a bit embarrassed about seeing the um, seeing the auto there. So we used to always laugh about those kind of things. So, but um, yeah, it will hurt it a bit, but if it's a cool, okay example, we'll still be proud of it. Yeah. You know? So it's, um Yeah. Just if you like it, keep and then it, there I are guess. some there are some auto boxes out there and some some HSVs and FPVs that yeah, are, are I was really really into good that as well. Like yeah. to me personally, I mean um, having the FPV you know Typhoon aspect, the ZF Auto all day every day, yeah. far far better to drive. Um, you know, so and especially if you're going to modify it, tune it, that box makes that car. That's why um, hands down, if you say to me, hey, take the manual, take the auto, I'm taking the auto all day every day. Yeah. One of those. So and that yeah. was the thing. Like no offense to all the. Ford people out there, but the manuals were just shit in they the are. FPVs. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. they are. It's just truck. hard to drive yeah. and just weren't very good. Whereas the autos, the second they went to a ZF, yep. it transformed the cars. Yep. You know? Yeah, yeah. I had the BF Cobra and oh, knew all about that. So good. <laughs> no, no, I had the manual though. Yeah, yeah. Oh, and it was right. just like, yeah, man, it, thing, yeah, it, it was just like the thing went yeah. nowhere. Like, you know, yeah, so. exactly. Have a yawn between the gear changes. Yeah. Just, yeah. Yeah. But we even, um, we were going to do a story uh, back when just as Ford was about to wrap up, we were going to take a sprint and uh, whatever, I can't remember which HSV it was at the time, but we wanted to do a drag race at Tamora, which is a 5K runway. We wanted to go uh, VMAX in them. And we went to the Ford guys and, and I said to them, look, what's the quickest one here? And they said, basically, it's the XR8 sprint. Yep. This is the time we've clocked. So we went to the Ford Proving Ground and, and we met up with uh, one of their chief engineers and we did some testing and I took a V-Box along and I just could not launch it properly. And I thought, I, I don't know, I, I can't get anywhere near the time they want. Um, I'm going to let them do it. They couldn't even get near the time that they Gee. claimed they had. So it's one of those things where the, the manual was just so fussy that, yeah, okay, once you could get the time yeah. and never again, but the auto was just, you know, brake throttle, bang, away it goes, you hit the number and that's it. So. Yeah. <laughs> Takes away human error as well. Yeah. So exactly. obviously can, can help. All right. Next one. Right, so Vince here. Um, notice more hype around the newer LSA HSVs over the older stuff. Why is that? Thought older would always be more demand. What do you guys like more? Well, I think that it just come down to uh, the LSAs are up there with the older stuff now because they don't make them anymore. Yeah, <laughs> so. well, that, that's it. I mean, and, and it's the last run. It is the last hurrah of it all. Um, you know, it's pinnacle of engineering. Everything goes hand in hand there. And I think that um, just with the volume of them, you can get your hands on it now. So, and, that, and that's what we really got to think about. It is supply and demand. How, like how many, um, if you look at it, how many, you know, I guess if you look at it, they're just VN to VTs, Tidy examples pop up on car sales versus um, lower K LSAs that you can get your hands on. And the LSA is easier to maintain, yeah. easier car to maintain. And the other um, thing is, while going into it, you can still get finance on like a 2017. Yeah. You know, so that's um, you've also got to think about that as well. So it is pure cash buyers that are buying the older stuff, um, and that's what you got to compete against. So um, and then as well, already a lot of the collectors have got them locked away. So like like I'm saying, supply and demand is why it is what it is. Yeah. 
So. Have you noticed uh, the old school mechanic is, is a mirage these days? Like it's yeah. You look at people that. That's the other thing I'd say with this is mm. people are probably moving into these late model muscle more because it's easier to maintain and get serviced. Yeah. If you've got a yeah. an old school Mustang or HSV or Brocky. I'm noticing, for the most part, most of the mechanics are in their 50s, 60s, 70s. Yeah, <laughs> they're towing exactly. retirement. Yeah, because there's no incentive for young kids to to get involved in that kind of stuff. You know, oh. tuning a carburetor yeah. and fuel systems and all that in older cars because there are people that do it, but it's a it's a small number of young kids. You know, yeah. and that's probably what's pushing people away as well. Because yeah. finding a good mechanic for those cars, tough. Yeah, and I think we're going to keep heading that way because as we go towards electric cars. I mean, if you're an old school mechanic, an electric car, you're like, oh, I don't know what to do here. Um, so it'll be interesting to see the landscape in like 10 years time. Mm. Hopefully there's still some people that are enthusiastic about sort of classics and they will stay there because ultimately I don't want to touch the car. Yeah, I, I know the very basics, but I don't know what I'm doing and I want someone who knows what they're doing to do it as mm. opposed to just a generic mechanic that's working on a RAV4 or something. Well, I think the the younger guys that do do that are going to be able to ch- name their price per exactly. hour. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, you know, like we talk about um, restos for your XYs and XWGTs and Mustangs in Australia yeah. now. If you want a good numbers matching resto at a at a high caliber, like you're talking six figures, you're not yeah. Yeah. you're not you're not you're not paying the fifty yeah. sixty k to restore exactly. anymore, and pushing probably two or three hundreds at times if you mm. want it mint mint. So it goes to show these old school coach builders and panel beaters and whatnot. They can charge what they want because yeah, it's like we're we're gonna get done, mate. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> you go to go down the street to the guy that, like you said, works on Teslas every day. Get him to do it, and then you'll yeah. be back here. You'll be back here right yeah. after your restoration to get it restored again. <laughs> trying, you know? to, trying to find out where to plug his laptop into the car. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Cool. Yeah. All right. Uh, I'll throw this one to you, Paul. So um, interesting to hear you guys recommend the 206 R-Line as a decent family car. Any thoughts on the Tiguan 162 from Ben? Oh, that's a good question. Um, Yeah, look, I'm a fan of the Tiguan. Uh, The 162's got plenty of poke. Um, The only thing I don't like is, and this is a personal thing for me, but dual clutch transmissions. Some are good, some are shithouse. And the thing I hate the most is if I'm trying to reverse park or something on a slight incline and the thing's just shitting itself. I think Hyundais are the worst. I can overheat a Hyundai gearbox just by rolling out of the throttle on a slight hill and letting it sit there for like 10 seconds. It just comes up with an overheat. Yeah. It's just insane. <laughs> so the Volkswagen stuff is much better. And the Tiguan is a good balance between um, you know, affordability but also luxury. Like yeah. It's not an Audi in terms of the price, but it feels like an Audi. And especially this revised Tiguan, it really sort of sets it up nicely there in terms of what you get. So yeah, that is that is a really good option as well. And they hold their value. So the thing with the, the Passats, um, now that the police are using them, I think that once they enter the secondhand market, that'll start pushing it down a little bit as yeah. well. And and what are, um, what I heard, I think that isn't the Tiguan 162, that's their number one selling car? Yeah, the, yeah, that that trim is is pretty much where it's at because yeah. the entry level stuff just looks so cheap that no one buys it. Yeah, so like the, I think if it's the one ten, it just looks like someone's stolen your wheels and put these yeah. cheap ones on. Yeah, <laughs> the only thing with Volkswagens at the moment is just the prices because already the price of what the um, Tiguan R line like that's you know thing if you get that with a panoramic roof and everything pushing seventy k, <laughs> what's the actual R going to be? That's that's the thing. Uh, I think they're setting us up for it because if you look at the new Golf, um, not even a GTI, yeah. but a high trim is forty six grand, and that's that's insane. So an actual Golf GTI will be sort of fifty or sixty grand, yeah, which is crazy. So that means a Tiguan R. I, I suspect that's going to be on the road 80, 90. Uh, yeah. yeah, seems like a lot of money to me. Yeah, no. Nah. <laughs> 
no way I'd be paying that for one of them. But <laughs> anyway, um, all right. So, hey, boys, big fan, Bogues. Parts are getting harder harder to find as I'm as I'm um, trying to rest our VR clubby. Uh, any tips on where to find parts? <sighs> yeah, it's a question. Donut car. <laughs> Donut car. Yeah, it's Donut honestly car. you control Gumtree and stuff will yeah. pop up every now and then. But when you're specifically looking for something, I mean, we troll Gumtree and. Um, eBay at times but just generically like oh they've, yeah. there's some valuable parts I'll get that yeah. but not when you're actually looking for what you want you almost never find it yeah. and that's what we're talking about yep. that's why the market is mm. where it's at yeah on, honestly um, Stephen I mean yeah that's what my mate's been doing now it's just trying to find a low just a low K six cylinder donor car to get all your window trims other bits and pieces but if it's front bars and everything you're going to be damn hard to find um, yeah so I mean um, yeah I, I guess being with HSV in itself, I mean, they will start getting to a market where there will be enough demand behind it because that, that's the thing. Now, we're, now I'm sure a lot of owners out there are noticing that um, excesses are just going up and up. So if you are trying to negotiate your insurance, they are trying to push that up because um, it's damn hard for them to find parts as well if you do have an accident. So I guess, um, yeah, that could be the future market for HSV as the well. Probably is we're just such a small market. Parts. We're such so. a small market for genuine parts. So yeah. that, that's the problem. So it's yeah. like, do they, do HSV sell, give rights to a, a small business that, to do that, it? That's what I think will happen is yeah. they'll just make their lick on it. For, yeah, just get like a 10% or a 5%. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, yeah, and and who cares there. if someone else is doing that? And, yeah. Have you seen what they're doing lately though? I, I've been following HSV on social and they listed car covers I thought, oh, I could, I could probably do with a couple of car covers, genuine one. Clicked on it, a thousand dollars, and I'm like, hold on, is that for one or fucking ten of them? Yeah. It's literally just something they'll buy in China and just stick a HSV thing on it. They are now milking it. Yeah, like, yeah, and that's worth. that's where you alienate people from your brand. It is. Um, I think it's just you know, bullshit. Yeah, I, I kind of you know have mentioned that with the W one. I, I thought I get why dealers were doing it, but I feel like HSV should have put some sort of you know okay dealers you can't go over x to get access to these cars yep. the fact that they were milking some purists for 280 300 from dealers it was just sad, a sad moment for me and i understand you got to make money but these are people that have supported the brand for 20 30 40 years it's the last hurrah and they've really tried to squeeze out the teat of you know as much as they could and you just you just felt bad a little you know when, when yeah, it came yeah, down yeah. to it it should have been done that way yeah i mean my my um look i mean the biggest thing i was upset through that is just Made to a pure collectors couldn't even get their hands on them, and then when you're getting guys at dealerships snapping them up and everything, it holding should, them. It should have the gone. dealerships still have them. Yeah, that's cr- they still haven't moved them. Still asking for That frequent buyers list at HSV should have been the number one priority. You know, so yeah, look, my my mate went through the same thing. He was buying a director, and um, he had a contract. Went to go um, getting close to his pickup day, and the contract went up by ten grand, and he's like, "What the fuck." Uh, I've literally got a contract. So I had to follow this up through like literally a director at Holden to fix it because the dealer wasn't budging. Where they were making their money, they're not allowed to inflate the recommended retail price, but they can put whatever they want as dealer delivery. And all of a sudden, a Commodore that was like an Evoke was $800 dealer delivery and a director was $15,000. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, what planet are you guys on? Enclosed trailer, mate. It has to be yeah, enclosed yeah, trailer. Exactly. But yeah, you're oh. right. They, they just, the, the fans, you just can't do that. Any other business would go out of business and they're already going out of business so they didn't give a shit but it's it's just poor form I reckon yep mm. yeah. yep 
Right on to the next one. Uh, it was interesting to hear um, you chat about dealership support. So, what are your thoughts on extended warranty? Think about buying a 2015 Range Rover Sport, and it worries me. Don't being, do it. Don't just don't do it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if you get, you know, I just moved a, I just moved a Range Rover. Um, what year was that? A, it was a 18, I think, wasn't it? Yeah, 17 or an 18 yeah. only because it was about to come out of warranty and Justin's like mate one of your yeah. airbags is going to cost you one of the airbag goes eight grand a corner just, I'm like yep yeah. alright listed it and took a bit of a hit on it yeah. got, got got actually crunched by Duttons thanks thanks Duttons but I just wanted to move it so they, yeah. they've taken care of it and moved it off my hands and flipped it for profit which is what they do but yeah man yeah, look, um, extended warranty stuff I mean look I, I used to um, be a finance and insurance manager many years ago dealerships and some of the warranty products used to so used to just think, oh God, um, it, it's not like the states who have bumper to bumper. Like their warranties over there. If you, um, yeah, if you go to some of those dealer networks over there and you buy something with bumper to bumper, it is literally bumper to bumper. They'll replace everything. But out here, yeah, a lot of the extended warranties you have to read the fine print um, because you can get caught up massively. But I think this whole one issue I find here and um, how it's heading these days is just this whole Instagram life and everything. Can get seeing these guys buying these Range Rover Sports, these young guys, finance, you know, finance on stupid rates, buying these things, C sixty three S's and like V twelve Bentley, yeah, V twelve Bentley, <laughs> out of warranty, cylinder yeah. goes, there goes your house, yeah, exactly. So, but yeah, you just heavily have to research on this stuff, and Range Rover is just one of the massive big things that it's yeah, like I said. Airbags shit themselves on those. Um, Anything shits itself. AMG, SUVs, all that stuff. Just, yeah, yeah, if you don't have that buffer. Unless, look, if you know your mates had it and you know it's been properly maintained and the guys, you know, detail-orientated, all the services are up to date, maybe, and you've got a good mechanic Mm. that can do it for you, maybe, um, because you know the car, but... A lot of times you don't know, you know, what's going on yeah. with the history of the car. I'll just stay exactly. away from it. It's going to be a yeah. money. It's going to be a yeah, money it will pit. Be a money pit. Mm. And people don't know that uh, about the Australian consumer law as well. Um, like the amount of people we get contacting us each week saying, um, "My engine is shit itself. Um, the dealership uh, is covering half the cost. Is that okay?" I'm like, no, they need to cover the entire cost. If if you've serviced that with uh, genuine parts, regardless of the age of the vehicle, within a reasonable time frame, it's not your problem. Yeah. They need to fix it and. The problem here is that, yeah, okay, you get your 2015 Range Rover Sport. might be okay for a little while, but what you'll do with that car is exactly what you said there, the people on Instagram who just want to flex and stuff. You'll take that to a cheap mechanic. They'll use some cheap shitty parts on it. Something breaks, you go, oh, I'm going to go get that fixed under the Australian consumer law. And the first thing they do is they go, yeah, that made in China thing there caused your engine to stop. And it'll literally be a grommet. Or a plug. Exactly, yeah. So (laughs) it's just not worth it. And you're right with the extended warranties. They are generally not worth the paper they're written on. Yeah, exactly. And while we've got you on that note, we, we touched last week, lemon laws in Australia. What are your thoughts around all that? We, we don't have anything. All we have is the Australian consumer law. And the way that that works is if you have serviced your car within the recommended timeframes using genuine parts, it doesn't even have to be at a dealership. It can be at a qualified mechanic and something goes wrong. If it's a manufacturing defect, you're not up for the cost. Yeah. Um, and that's something to be very clear with the dealership because what they always do is they'll offer to pay like 25% and normally people just go, oh, okay, if you push, they'll go to 50. You yeah. need to be not paying a cent. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, if you- What about do- reoccurring problems from brand new? What about what about the fact if you've, because, you know, in America, it's basically three strikes and you get a new car. We don't have that here. Yeah, it's kind of, 
the wording has to be interpreted a certain way, right? So you have minor and major failures. With a minor failure, they have to basically uh, repair or replace, and they'll always try and repair. So you'll have mm-hmm. some people who have power shift transmissions that are onto their fourth gearbox. <laughs> and for, I don't understand how Ford can justify putting another gearbox in, but they do. Um, so you just have to be mindful of where it falls uh, in that category. So all you need to do is just Google uh, ACCC Australian Consumer Law, and there's a PDF document there with all of the details. Um, if you get any pushback from the dealership, remind them of your consumer rights. If that still doesn't work, go straight to VCAT or your local equivalent. There is a bit of a wait, and that's how they squeeze people as well. If they know that that's your family car, they'll push it out as long as they can to the point where you just go, fuck it, I'm just going to pay because I just don't have time. So yeah, yeah. just persevere if you can. Cool. All right, last one, Joss. Um, good to hear you boys chat about Euro cars and it's interesting to hear Justin mention he's owned some, v, some VWs. I've been considering buying a Skoda Octavia RS as I think the new one looks great. What are your thoughts on these? All the best from George. So actually you've, uh, Paul? <laughs> just drove oh, one. Yeah. I bloody love it. Like, they are, they are just, a cool thing. They I, are. Yeah. The wagon looks incredible, I reckon. Yeah, the so. wagon is just, it's its really cool. Um, the only negative thing I had about it was it just didn't feel super, super punchy. Yeah. But if that's not the end of the world for you, um, Skoda's just come loaded with features. Uh, they're generally pretty affordable to service um, and they're always cheaper than the Volkswagen equivalent. So, yeah, big tick for, from that. And they come with umbrellas in the doors as well. True. It's kind of cool. And <laughs> I, I think as well, I mean, yeah, they are getting to the point is um, they are becoming the price that Volkswagen's worse. So if we kind of look at it that way, so for, you know, low 50s drive away, you can get one of those Octavia RSs, five-year warranty. And as a car to just drive around everywhere, enjoy it. The seats are really cool too. So, and the dash layout. So, Pretty nice. It's yeah. no longer, not that it ever was, but it's it's not uncool, you know. To uh, I was to, actually to just going to get to that cool or uncool because it's it's a thing. So you know what? I think cycling has made them cool. <laughs> it's so <weird>. uncool. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have to wear lycra to drive? Yeah, exactly. That's the thing because they sponsor cycling, and cycling has become so popular in Australia. They seem to have had, and you always see them with like cycling racks on. Them. Yeah, 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 so, yeah. yeah. So yeah I think marketing's a beautiful thing, right? Yeah. 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 <laughs> Yeah. yeah. All right, we'll finish off. I want to put you under the pump. Um, we'll get you to think of a story before we before we get to that story. We, we usually do, I mean, Justin's told, we've told raw stories. We've told, <laughs> I've told a story about my mate who had a skeleton key for Commodores yeah. back in the day and I yep. pinched one. Yep. So we'll let you think about that. But I'm going to put you on the spot right now. Seeing as we're in Australia and we're the home of the four-door muscle car, we've got three categories. Your best family, of for a family of four, two kids, Best car performance-wise, best car luxury-wise, and best car convenience-wise. So you might have a punter that's like, I still want a bit of argy-bargy with my car, but I need four seats for the kids. Um, there's the luxury side, you know, the the snob that wants to sip wine while they're driving their car. And then there's someone that's just all about convenience. Give me a three. Ooh, okay. Um, yeah, under the pump. really tricky. Um, okay, so luxury family for me it's a wagon because wagons generally are better in terms of space than than a, a an suv and the one that i always go to is the audi a6 all road because it is huge inside uh, it drives beautifully and it is it's just a really nice car um so that's that's my sort Edit of that out and say audi rs6 <laughs> oh, yeah. actually, <laughs> if you had the money the rs6 is my ultimate my absolute yeah. ultimate it is it is just so incredible cool. isn't it? yeah um so that that's that's the sort of uh the sort of performance slash luxury one um convenience wise 
Oh, that's a good question. Um, Ford Ranger Raptor, Gee, Yeah, I was going to say Kia. That's a really good choice. <laughs> you know what? The the Kia, uh, sorry, the Kia Carnival is probably yeah. right. the new one. Looks cool. It, yeah, it looks cool. Um, it has shitloads of room inside. It the tech's actually pretty good. Yeah, the yeah. tech's good. All the bells yep. and whistles. So that's that's probably my convenience one. Um, oh, and then all that performance and muscle. I think that's the RS6. So yep, let's go so Audi, go A6 All Road, RS6, Kia yeah. Carnival. Okay, <laughs> cool. Yeah, all good right. Fix, well, give us something. Give us something. Give us some gossip. Give us some story about your history. You've done anything silly <laughs> with cars. You know, you told us about the, the tour over to Europe, but um, yes, anything that can make us laugh. I've got one. So um, my mate was big into RX-7s when we were growing up. And we used to go to land parties, which is, if you don't know what that is, that's probably a good thing. You're not a loser. Uh, but it was where a bunch of young blokes get together with their computers and they play games. And um, So we were on our way to a land party in Thomastown uh, and we were both from Geelong. So we were driving up in his RX-7. So the, the car was full of shit. It was a Series 4 RX-7, a lot of work done to it. And anyway, um, as he was accelerating, this thing got to like 4,000 RPM and we just free rev. And I'm like, fucking hell, this new tune is mm. really good in terms of the power. He's spinning the wheels. It was actually the clutch going. And <laughs> the clutch finally uh, shat itself when we were in this sort of industrial area in Thomastown. We pulled off the freeway and um, it was a long weekend. Uh, this was before mobile phones. We didn't really have mobile phones. And we're in this industrial area. We're like, fuck, what do we do? And we found this business that was open across the road and walked in. And I'm like, it's weird that this is open on a weekend. And it was a brothel. And I'm just <laughs> sitting there. There's all these pictures of condoms on the walls and stuff. And I'm like, oh, this is a fucking brothel. So we had to use their phone so they could contact the guy that was next door who had this giant um, sort of like storage yard because we didn't want to leave his RX-7 out yeah. on the road because it yeah. would definitely get stolen. And um, she ended up calling, uh, you know, someone to open up the the thing and we had to pay this guy like 500 bucks to store the car overnight because wow. we couldn't get a truck till the next day. And we're like, well, we don't have a choice. He might even steal it. Who yeah, knows? Yeah. So we stuck it in there and, um, and then came back the next day um, Picked up the car, got a rub and tug, and then went home. So. <laughs> there you go. Wow. <laughs> so brothels are convenient sometimes. Yeah, they can be used for good. Yes, they can be used is. for good. Don't forget they are open during the lockdowns. They are, yeah, that's true. You can, um, true. You can go to brothels. Just don't go to your grandma's or yeah. anyone's, COVID, anyone's home. COVID's safe at a brothel. Masks yeah. on, please, while you're there <laughs> as well. But anyway, Paul Marriage, thanks for joining us. Really appreciate it. Hopefully that's given the listeners some insight in episode nine of the Car Chat. Anything you want to plug or promote while we've got you here social media what are your socials all that kind of stuff yeah look thank you for having me on i really appreciate it i'm a i listen all the time and i go for a walk i got it playing so <laughs> it's an awesome podcast um yeah look just uh if you ever have any car questions just head to carexpert.com.au and i'm just paul marrick on all social and stuff like that so yeah feel free to get in touch i love hearing from people yeah. cool. appreciate awesome. it thanks thank you